Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, May 27th, just one day left to go in this 2021 Division I college tennis season. What a year it has been. What an individual event we have seen unfold here on the grounds of the USTA National Campus in Lake Nona. It's funny, after all the hoopla, after all the drama, are the SEC players overranked? Is the ACC Women's Conference really that good? It feels like the answer to every question we've asked throughout this season has been a resounding yes. And now we've got the finals ahead of us. Just four matches left to play. And joining me to preview those matches as well as break down everything we have seen throughout this week of individuals is a man whose voice you are probably familiar with at this point. I'm not even going to name the other parts. I'm just going to call him my co-host here of these NCAA mini break podcast, my friend Alex Banchilla. Banch, welcome back to the show. Thank you for taking the time. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me back. I feel like the introductions get uh, uh, nicer and nicer every time, so I appreciate that. Of course. It's the least I can do sincerely. You have taken the time to join me whenever I have asked, and there are few, if any, people I can think of who would match my passion for college tennis except for you. And I also know, again, I told you this last time, people are very much enjoying them. Multiple players, coaches have said, hey, the idea of getting Banchilla on the pod, that was smart. You know what you're doing. And again, for me, it's not about being talented. It's about surrounding myself with the talent and then just coasting off of their good takes. That's what I'm going to try and do again here today. I'm curious because I know you're practicing. You've got other things going on, but you've been locked into this event. What have your thoughts been on the quality? I think the quality has been great up until now. It's from the, you know, from uh the team tournament all the way to through individuals i think it's been great um it's been some really exciting matches uh, the last few days at the indoor sorry at the individual tournament uh so i am ready to get into that and talk more about that absolutely well then again what we're going to be doing on this podcast as we have done the past couple of days break down the action we've seen unfold in lake no no we've also had Some generational shifts, some changing of the guards occur, of course, the careers, the outstanding careers. You can't tell the story of the past five years of college tennis without talking about Will Blumberg, talking about Sarah Davitilla. I do want to do a bit of a post-mortem on their two careers because, again, if you're a college tennis fan, what they've meant to this sport uh, so, so, so much, and so... It's not just those two, by the way. Other seniors, Daniel Kukerman, you know, Riley Smith. I'm, I know I'm focusing on the big schools here, but, you know, they've been eliminated. So I want to talk about that senior class as well. But, you know, again, then we want to get granular. Talk about the semifinals, preview tomorrow's finals. Of course, the reason we're able to do all of this day in, day out here on the podcast is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and, of course, from our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com, use that promo code C. R15 to get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. By the way, 
I am well aware that it's now called Tennis Point, and we are going to have updated promo codes, updated ad reads for all of you next week. I just haven't had the time to get into them this week, so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, I have been assured MidwestSports.com, the promo code CR15 still works. I also want to say this, fun story for you. So last night, I was at dinner with my buddy Carter Lynn, former University of Michigan player when I was there, and you know, a guy who now is an agent over at IMG, and it was really, really funny. We, we, you know, we wanted to just catch up, get dinner, because he was buddies with me when I was in college as well, and it ended up being like a three-hour dinner, because people just kept coming up to us and be like, yo, Carter, how you doing? Or yo, Gruskin, such a fan, whatever. Maybe it was so freaking funny. At the end of the night, you know, you go to pay your bill, do your thing. Waitress comes up and says, oh, no, 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 you guys are good. And I was like, huh? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? We're good. And she goes, yeah, some guy said, like, he's a fan and he's got your dinner covered. And I was like, are you f-ing serious? I was like, that cannot be true. And so to that fan, whomever you were, shout out to you. You're the you're the f-ing man. Again, I'm so grateful uh, for you doing that. And again, that's a testament to what a blast it has been to be down here in Orlando in the mix of things. And shout out to that fan as well. If I assume you're a listener of the podcast, I am forever grateful for you being willing to do that. With that in mind, a little bit, I suppose, of bragging here to start the podcast, but let's get into the show, and I want to start, you know, chivalry. Uh, I say it's dead, and so as such, I try to bring it back. We always start with the women. I do want to start with the men, though, because again, after all of the hoopla, is the SEC really that good? We had three semifinalists from the conference. In the end, it's going to be Sam Riffis playing, I believe it'll be his 10th consecutive day now. He's going to take on South Carolina's Daniel Rodriguez. Let's start with the semifinal match in general. Riffis goes up 5-3 in the first set. Draxel holds. It's done 40-30. Riffis in his game makes Let's have really gets to the net. Let's have a lob bounce that he probably could have played as an overhead. Loses that point, then hits an approach shot. Has the drop shot, or I suppose the drop cross court backhand volley. Misses it wide. Ends up going to a breaker. He takes that breaker seven five. Was up one zero. Love forty to take a two zero lead. And perhaps there you think maybe he coasts with the match, but. As Liam Draxel always tends to do, fights his way back in the match. He takes the second set 6-2, but ultimately, Sam Riffis, so decisive, so skilled, can do a little bit of everything, but looks so good when he's playing on his front foot. He takes a 7-6-2-6-6-1 win to advance over Draxel. Let's start with Riffis. I believe he's now a third year, technically a sophomore, though, because of all of the COVID eligibility stuff. He's a guy who is the number one recruit, right, in his class. He's been one of the guys in American junior tennis, now in American collegiate tennis, throughout his entire career. And it's so interesting because you talk to someone like Mike Cation or you talk to people who are in the know and they've always thought so highly of Sam Riffis and it's been surprising to not see him, you know, really dominate college tennis, come in the way a Will Blumberg did and some of these other players do. And yet you kind of look at the results and hear this season in particular, him now making the NCAA final at a minimum, getting that qualifying wild card. I watch Sam play, and I just feel like the better the competition, the better the Sam Riffis. I feel like he's got this immense pro upside. The floor is now yours, Banchilli. Your thoughts on Riffis, your thoughts on his victories. He was a set and 5-0 down to Nate Ponwith in the first round. He now finds himself one match away from a main draw wild card. What have you thought of his game this week? Yeah, I think he's uh, definitely picked it up from the rest of the season. I know uh, at the beginning... 
there were talks of him not playing that well, but uh, clearly he's like I like to say he's peaked towards the end of his, <laughs> towards the end of the the season, and I think he was stellar in the team competition, which they obviously won. And also, I mean, thus far he's been great. And to be honest, I always, I, he's a few years older than me, so I never really got to see him play in juniors and stuff. I saw him a little bit up close uh, when um, when Illinois played Florida and stuff, and I, I was on the trip. Um, I always thought he was very crafty. I never saw of him as someone as 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 a power player, but I mean. I was very wrong. Uh, towards <laughs> towards the end of this week, I think he's gotten more and more aggressive. I mean, today against Liam, I saw bits and pieces of the second set, most of the first, uh, and pretty much the last few games of the third. And in the last two games, I think I saw Sam come to at least six or seven times and put the ball away, I think, six of the seven times. Yeah. At net with this first, he volleys. didn't miss a backhand volley. Like the the entire home stretch of the match, he did not miss backhand volleys. Yeah, I, I think I think he's you know when when you, when Florida played uh, I think their first round in Orlando uh, round of sixteen against Illinois uh, I watched him against Seeps Monsi and I thought that you know I thought Seeps and him were playing a really high level Seeps had I think four set points in that mm-hmm. first set and every single point every f- single set point that Seeps had Sam was just not only defending great but also putting the ball in very uncomfortable situations for his opponent. And I think he does that time and time again. And I, I mean, it goes to show he deserves to be in the final of the NCAA, you know, individual tournament. And I think every single match that he's played, you know, starting with Ponwith, first of all, is extremely tough or strong, extremely tough or strong. And for him to, you know, get through that and then power through like he has and also putting away a guy that's very tough to put away like Liam. I mean, Liam, I think, saved in his first two matches. Four match saved- points. In his, yeah, throughout this tournament, he saved yeah. two against Walton, two against McNally. Yes, and so I think, you know, for him to be able to put Liam away in the fashion that he did, six-one in the third, and not and on his first match point in the third set at five-one serving for it, I think is 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 very good for him. And I, I'm not surprised by his level, but I'm, you know, I'm a- astonished. I think he's been playing extremely well, extremely clear. He knows what he wants to do. He knows how to get to net. And he's been setting that up, whether it's with, you know, big forehands, big ground strokes or big serves. He's always in the right place at the right time. So, I mean, credit to him. I personally think he he deserves it. Um, you know, two years ago, uh, he got a little unlucky in the quarters against Kova. Um, so I think he's had, he's had an unbelievable track record at the NCAA tournament uh, individual. So, you know, quarterfinal 2019 and now final in 2021, that's fantastic for him and i think he deserves it and i i really i really hope that hope that he wins it just because you know last time um uh, they had the ncaa tournament for for individuals it was uh you know paul job won it uh not an american couldn't get the wild card into us open so i i really hope for american tennis sake that that, that he wins I've had this conversation a million times with Andy Katz on the broadcast, and so I'm hesitant to do it again here on the pod, but I am curious for you, A, is that something that lingers in the back of all of these players' minds, just chasing that wild card, and B, do you think it, it should go to the collegiate champion regardless of their nationality? I think that it for sure lingers, especially if you're American. Mm-hmm. For the other guys, they know they know how the situation is that only Americans get it. I personally think that if it's an American that makes the final and the other guy's a foreigner, I think, you know, if the rule stays the same where only Americans get it, then the American should, you know, it's up to the USTA's discretion based on past results, past pro results. If 
uh, they think he should get the main draw wild card. Um, you know, the the level at which the guys that are you know in the individual jar playing is very high that of you know probably challengers probably you know very high level professional the guys kind of who are competing in qualities anyways exactly so at that point it's you know you, you look at the matches that rufus has had he's played only quality opponents mm-hmm. every single match so i think that you know it definitely lingers in their mind like i said especially if they're from from america from the united states and I don't know if, it, if it's, you know, something that lingers, but I definitely think it's something that motivates them. I'm sure Sam knows the situation, knows that if he wins. Um, now, to answer your second question, if if the winner of the tournament, even if he's a foreigner, should get it, I personally think so. Uh, you, you come here, you're basically, you know, these foreigners come and they live the American college experience. So if you win the NCAAs, that basically proves not in that week that you are the best player in college. And what is what is the reason for college tennis is a to get better and b to have a pro career after. So I think it's good for the NCAA to promote that by giving the wild card to you know the guy that showed it the best that week. And mm-hmm. in this case, it would be the individual individual attorney here in Orlando. And definitely think that if a foreigner wins it, I definitely think they they, they still deserve it. A hundred percent, and I would agree with everything you said. I like the way you put it as well, so I have nothing else to add other than to say you don't think Paul Jubb's a good representative of collegiate tennis and everything that that wild card's supposed to be. Petros Risokos, the year before, embodied college tennis and embodied just getting better from the day you step on campus and preparing yourself for the pro tour, and it's just like, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Now, to the Riffis point. Three-set win over Ponwith, three-set win over a sneakily good Andre Martin of Georgia Tech. He then beat Seeps. Really impressive. I mean, he dominated. I think it was a 2-0 win or a 3-0 win. And then, you know, yesterday against Vasher, he goes down 0-2, wins 12 of the next 13 games, 6-3, 6-love. Here again today, he gets the three-set win over Liam Drexel. I want to ask you about Drexel in a second. But, you know, for Riffis... He was good, not great his freshman year. I think it was 26-11 overall in singles. Now, of course, he did end up making that NCAA quarterfinal, as you mentioned, upset J.J. Wolf, advanced further than any freshman in the country. And it was kind of like, yep, that's the Sam Riffis we expected. And then last year, you know, 16-4 and four playing behind Oliver Crawford. That season was discontinued. Who knows if he would have made a run like this. But this year has been the Sam Riffis we expected to see. And again, I just, I'll continue to say, I think he gets better depending on the level of the opponent. The harder you hit, the harder he's going to hit. And to your point, he's got the variety, the backhand slice, the short angles, the ability to hit in the outer thirds, the ability to comfortably move forward, puts you on your back foot. He puts a ton of returns in plays, high first serve percentage. That first serve can be a weapon. He's also like 6'2". 6-3, your modern profile for a physical, you know, for a, a high-level ATP player. And, you know, again, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Well, I am going to put you on the spot here because that's half the fun. He wins that event, let's say. Gets that wild card into the U.S. Open, and that's a big if. But does he go pro? Like, I don't know how you don't go pro if you get that wild card opportunity because I feel like he's a guy with pro aspirations. And respectfully, I feel like the game's ready. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to make that decision for him. I yeah, think of course, of course. There's, there's obviously a lot that he's got to consider. Obviously, you know, he gets the wild card. He's first round. Even if he loses first round, he gets what? Is that a $60,000 paycheck? 65 or something like maybe. And again, I want to reframe it. Do you think his game is ready? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I think that if you're making the final four uh, of the NCAA individual tournament, I think that you are at a level to where you, if you wanted to, could go pro. If you have the financial backing from whatever country you are, um, 
and also if you want to if you want to you know finish your degree if you're not done with your four years then and you and you want to stay another year or so and see if you can maybe win it again next year the following year okay but i mean i don't know for him if he would make i mean i don't know what decision he'd make to be honest i definitely think that he's ready just based off of what i've seen i think i've been extremely impressed with him especially the last few weeks uh it's been quite quite fun to watch um i think that he's playing at a really high level and yeah i mean if especially if he wins if he if he let's say he were to win this and then you know get the wild card and and then even win around at the u.s open at that point if you're beating one of the top 128 guys in the world i think you deserve to to go pro and you owe that to yourself no i think the thing that college coaches around the country are rooting for is for him to win a first round match at the u.s open because florida brings back everyone but Inglidson and respectfully uh I'm not going to get into transfer wire rumors I don't like to do that I don't want to speculate where a person's going to go I don't want to get burned I was already accused of yellow journalism once today I'm not going to do that a second time but uh they bring back everyone from their starting lineup and they bring in Matias Seymour from yeah. Michigan, which is just a slap in the face to me from Coach Shelton, which I don't appreciate <laughs> because they don't need him. Um, but certainly they're going to enjoy him as well. And, yeah, he's just such a good kid, such a hungry guy. He's also a guy I saw drinking milk this morning at the breakfast table. I'm like, dog, you got to play in 90-degree heat and you're drinking milk at all today? You must be one hell of an athlete. He was super, super impressive. But you know who – embodies everything college tennis is about. I want your thoughts on him as well because his season's in the books. Liam Draxel. Liam Draxel, who fought off the four match points, who I say it, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. You have him down match points. That's actually right where he wants you. And, you know, the big celebration yesterday takes seven, six from DeCamps. Arms go up in the air, throws the racket as if he had just won Wimbledon, bends backwards, then forward with a huge roar and just, you know, again, you think you have him down, he's going to hit the passing shot. You think you are, you can be a little bit passive, he's going to go big up the line. He even flashed some 120-mile-per-hour serve power up the tee today. I think he held that love for that uh, 6-5 game in the first set, and he hit like three aces in that game. And I was like, what? can Draxel do that as well? And, of course, the context being Draxel trained with FAA, Shapovalov, that Canada crew, Lexi Galarno belongs in that discussion, Ben Seguin belongs in that discussion. I'm curious what you think about Draxel because for me the way he competes is second to none but just everything else as well yeah no Liam's hilarious especially that (laughs) that, uh I saw that video of him winning the first set yesterday I I cracked up that that's that's such 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 a Liam thing but I mean that's goes to show how big and how great of a competitor he is I mean first round playing McNally which I think we talked about it last time that it's a that was a tough first round Mm -hmm. McNally had him right where you wanted him or Mm -hmm. so he thought or so he thought (laughs) Um, and then I guess Liam, you know, maybe got a little lucky at that five, six deuce point, hit that T serve, that clipped the net tape, and then you know, kind of messed up McNally on the return. Um, you know, but then after that, I mean, the guy just just fights and digs. And I never, never really saw Liam, and I don't think anyone really does as a super aggressive player for m- majority of the matches. But when he needs to, he comes up big. He will come to net. He will, you know, chip and charge with the backhand. He'll, he'll, you know, approach line and come in. Whatever he'll, he'll hit big and come in and then finish off at the net. I think he's very good at net. He was very good at doubles and juniors. I remember. I think he made made final of junior Wimby with uh, Govind. So I mean, I think Liam has done very well for himself this week, and not only this week but this season. To beat two players that were ranked number one in the country, Daniel Kukerman and Daniel Rodriguez, is unbelievable. Um, and for him to, you know, carry 
carry himself the way he did this week and you know back against the world time and time again and then playing the camps who's been playing some really quality tennis some big tennis yesterday and kind of just what was it six and one six and two yeah it was six and one i mean i might have even been six and out he cruised after taking yeah, that first set yeah. the camps so, went mean, away a little bit it was six and one he just kind of cruised i mean that, that that's what liam does i mean he'll yeah. he will make a thousand a thousand balls if he has to and i guess you know the camps after you know, missing that overhead on top of the net on set point, probably not only deflated him, but also mentally, physically and mentally. Um, because, I mean, I guess when you're playing Liam, it's just going to be such a physical match. You know, you're, the guy's going to get to a lot of balls. He's going to make you think time and time again. And if you're not smart, you can beat yourself. So I think oftentimes Liam does that, but then when he needs to, he will come up big. Liam has a great serve, um, knows knows the game really well, knows how to get himself out of you know tight positions and stuff. So... I mean, credit to him. He's been a warrior this entire week. Um, I, you know, I was he's a friend of mine, so I was I was rooting sure. for him. But uh, I'm, you know, if if you were if you were to go down, it's um, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm happy, but it's nice to that he went down to someone like Riffis, who's been playing also some really quality tennis, and also who's an American tennis player. Yeah, let's be clear. He didn't lose that match. Riffis beat him. And, yeah. like, the performance in the third set from Sam was so special. But I agree with you, I think. And I also do think sniffing around on the grounds will get one more spring from Liam, barring him winning two, three challengers over the next nine months, which, sure, I guess that can happen. There's no denying that. But I just think he fits like a hand in the glove in the college tennis environment. He's so, so special at that. And, again, college tennis is a better place having him. Now, on the flip side, we're not going to talk much about the match because, with all due respect to Adrian Boitan, he's played seven three-set matches in the past nine days. It caught up to him today. Had two set points, 6-5 on Daniel Rodriguez's serve. Rodriguez able to hold, takes the breaker like 7-1 and then gets the break for 3-1. Boitan had to retire, just didn't have anything left in the tank. And watching him today, you could tell physically what a struggle it was even for him to walk around the court. And it's a testament to uh, Drax, uh, Drax, excuse me, to Boitan that he was even out there competing today. And, you know, again, I think we've made our thoughts very clear on Adrian Boitan. We talked about him last time. He's got that zone where you know it's a jet fuel or it's a jet streamer uh sort of game where like you hear it come off the strings and you're like that's different uh that's better than what everyone else's ball sounds like but I do want to talk about Rodriguez who advances to the final you look at his pathway to get there you know it was not an easy one uh now you know he knocks off a couple of players I think it was both uh from South Florida and ETSU his first two rounds but then beats Kukerman beats Kovacevic does get the walkover over Boitan, but beats him in that first set when Adrian had the set points. I'm curious your thoughts on the sophomore from South Carolina because he's listed at six foot. I think he's a little taller than that. I think he's six one, six two, and you watch his game. Big serve, big forehand, very aggressive game style. You know, I think I underrated him. I thought that was one of those guys that had the SEC bump, but you look at it overall, 26-7 and seven this season, now 27-7. and seven. He was 18-5 and five at the number one singles position, which is tough to do in the SEC conference. Your thoughts on Rodriguez, his level of play, and obviously for the two seed to reach the NCAA final. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, he, he has... A, a massive serve and massive forehand, very heavy forehand. You know, very like, heavy. Someone like Boyton, you know, like you said, when he hits the ball, it's for Boyton a sea ball, hit ball, and sea ball, hit ball, big. You know, <laughs> massive. And so, you know, comparing it to him, I think, 
you know, he's got a little more spin on the forehand. I think his backhand is very solid. Uh, I think he looks for a lot of forehands, which is good. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely see the clay quarter in him, you know, coming yeah. from Port- Portugal and stuff. I think before he got to uh, to school his freshman year, he made finals of a 25K on clay. Um, so I definitely think that that has some, you know, him growing up on clay definitely has some, um, you know, why his game is the way it is and looking for a lot of forehands, looking to dominate with heavy spins and stuff. I do think that his serve is a massive weapon. I watched uh, a little bit of the first set today against uh, Boyton. It was a little painful for me to watch Adi just kind of, uh, you know, cripple around the court and stuff. There's no secret that he's he's been tired since the first match. I feel like he's looked like that since the first match. And, and he's, he's just swung his way out of difficulties. Yeah. Like, it's been yeah. amazing. Yeah, and so I watched uh, the match with Kova and, Dan- and Daniel, and, I mean, I thought that – Daniel did kind of what Kova does best, which is take the racket out of guys' hands. Sure, Kova got a little unlucky losing four deuce points in the in the first four games of the match. But, I mean, Rodriguez kind of ran away with it, knew exactly what to do, was hitting the ball big, moving Kova, didn't let him, you know, do a whole lot. And then today with Boyton, I mean, credit to him, stuck around. Who knows what would have happened in the second set if Boyton wins that set. He wins that set, he gets, you know, maybe a second wind of adrenaline. Uh, you know, whatever injuries or whatever was hampering him maybe don't seem as evident. I mean, it, it's it's difficult for an injury and stuff to seem evident when you're winning, in all honesty. And so when you're mm-hmm. playing for an NCAA final, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to seem even less evident. So I think, you know, credit to him for sticking around. Those set points I never thought were really on Boyton's racket. I thought Rodriguez did a great job of staying aggressive on those points. And uh, in the end, I know one Boyton missed a backhand deep, but that was off of an inside-out forehand from Rodriguez that looked to be very heavy. Oh, it's crazy. So, um, and then winning that set 7-1 just goes to show how he kind of wanted to, you know, take advantage of how Boyton was feeling, unfortunately, and, you know, put the put the nail in the coffin. 100%. And injuries have been a big part of Adrian Boyton's college career. And he proved this season when healthy, you know, dating back, not to evoke the name, but from Brian Boland to Michael Woodson, everyone on the Baylor staff that's coached him has made the point uh, that, look, uh, it's just a fact, like, this guy's got the talent. It takes you two seconds of watching him to be like, you hit the ball different than anyone else, and we will be seeing more of Adrian Boyton in the future. But to your points on Daniel Rodriguez, yeah. I mean, the guy just puts so much pressure on you, and now, again, he's the fresher of the two players heading into the final, and with that in mind, to put a bow on this men's singles conversation, or at least this portion of it, Rodriguez, Riffis tomorrow, who you got, what do you expect to see? Tough call, man. Tough, tough call. (laughs) Put me on the spot. Welcome Um, to the prognosticator life. This is why Tim Russell calls me a blogster. (laughs) Listen, I think it's going to be a very intriguing match just because I don't think Rodriguez has played anyone thus far that is like Riffis that will, you know, when I think of Riffis, I think of of a Murray, Murray type player. I don't want to say counter puncher because he can be aggressive. He can be aggressive. He can hit the big serves. He can get to net within a few shots. Um, so it's interesting to see how Rodriguez is going to counter that. I think that, you know, Rodriguez's forehand is going to pose some problems. I think also his serve is probably the biggest that Sam has seen this week. Uh, maybe aside from Ponwith, I know Ponwith has a pretty big serve, but, you know, Rodriguez gets up there. He gets up there and he hits it big. So it's going to be a really interesting match. I personally am going to go with Sam um solely because I, I mean not solely because but also he's american i've also been very impressed with his level i think you know rodriguez is also at a really high level the last few matches but you know he's had some easier matches let's put it that way so you know that's a 
combination, I guess, of him playing well, but also his opponents, you know, whether being injured, not playing as great, nothing to take away from him. The guy deserves it 100%, 100%. So uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. I just, my pick is going to be Sam. I just think Sam can take away what Rodriguez does best. He exactly. makes so many returns in the court, and he gets them deep as well. And even if they're not overwhelming you, they're not winners. It's on the rise and early, and now Rodriguez doesn't have time to take that big cut at the forehand. And I just think Sam's got it right now. Yeah. He's hot. And, you know, the 10-minute heat break certainly helped in between sets two and three to cool Draxel's momentum today. But Sam found solutions, and Sam stuck to his game plan, and he executed so flawlessly. I agree with you. I'm leaning Riffis tomorrow. That is not not to take away from Daniel Rodriguez, not to take away from Coach Goffey in the South Carolina program that has now sent two different players to the NCAA singles final in back-to-back NCAA tournaments. That does not happen frequently, if ever. I'm like trying to think, maybe Virginia's done it back in those days when it was like, this year it's Shabazz, the next year it's Damajan, although I don't think any of them made finals, at least at the NCAA tournaments. I don't think, I know they didn't, Um, but you know, again, or I guess it was probably Giron and Mackey were the last two to do it for UCLA. That's, yeah, that's the duo so. that I think I of. Think and they so. both ended up winning, and obviously they're both in the top freaking 100, so special talents there. But, I mean, look, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a good match. If Rodriguez can absolutely serve his way out of anything, and that beyond all else is going to be the thing he's going to have to do well tomorrow, but I agree with you. Give me Riffis to win the match. I think he wins at 5-5. Five and five. I'm even going to throw a score out there for all of you. But I do want to put a bow on this men's singles event quickly. Last con- well, A, if you want to throw in any thoughts, Adrian played fucking flawlessly against Blumberg in the quarterfinals. Oh my goodness, was he playing well. And just there was that 4-1 backhand deuce point down the line return yeah. that he made. That was just like stupid. It was just like, oh, okay, like and I, I kind of talked to him after I was like, be honest, did you close your eyes and swing on that one. He was like, look, I knew where he was going. It was either a winner or it was back fence, and it happened to be a winner. And it's like that's how good Adrian can be. And like You know, again, I kind of said this on the Tennis One broadcast. There's a connective thread from when Ronnie Schneider, Jack Murray, Braden Schnurr all agreed to go to North Carolina through Blumberg graduating now. That's nine years of Carolina tennis that were as good as any nine-year stretch you're going to find in college tennis. You know, not as good, but up there in the upper echelons of what we expect from college tennis. They took that North Carolina program from good to elite. Similarly, Kovacevic, Zeke, what they meant to Illinois, the two of them, their competitiveness, they were, again, a connective thread from the Hiltzik era to now, and, you know, the kooky monster, Riley Smith, Kukerman's such a freaking stud, like, I just believe that guy is going to be successful with every fiber of my being, ditto with Alexi Galarno, they've been professionals since the 2019-2020 season, and just such well-rounded games, I think physically they've got it as well, I think they're going to be able to handle the grind of traveling from place to place as well, you want to throw Vastro in that conversation, you can as well, but just, again, your thoughts on those guys, that senior class, what they meant to college tennis. Yeah, I think, you know, Koba and Zeke, I mean, there's there's not a person in college tennis that when they think of Illinois tennis don't think of, of Zeke, you know. Koba now more so just because of his success in the pros and, and what he's, you know, the kind of spotlight that he's put on Illinois tennis. But Zeke, I mean, just, just an absolute grinder. Uh, you know, congrats to him on a, on a fantastic college career. You know, there's everywhere, everywhere he went, he made friends. Um, he's honestly in my opinion a legend in college tennis uh i'm really really bummed that he wasn't able to get the all-american honors i think it's complete i think he deserves it um he is a warrior uh the biggest fighter i've ever seen in my entire life i've seen that guy 
cramping matches to the point where he's almost blacking out and he's still having 40 shot rallies and just refuses, refuses to miss shots. So, you know, all credit in the world to Zeke for quite honestly, an amazing college career. He's a legend. I'm lucky to be able to call him one of my best friends. I just want to quickly add to that that I had a college coach already approach me or I overheard a conversation. I'm not going to say who, but say, do you think Zeke would be ready to coach college tennis right now? Because I think I've got a job for him. And, like, that's the sort of work ethic, tenacity, and culture Zeke Clark brings in everything he does. Could not echo your sentiment more. I apologize for cutting you off. All good, all good. I think, you know, and then moving on to Kova. You know, like I said, I'm extremely lucky to call you know Zeke and, and Kova as you know one of one of my best friends, um, and to to have them, you know, having had them as teammates uh, and now having them as friends, you know, to be able to mentor me with pretty much anything in life and also tennis is amazing. I think Kova is going to do fantastic in the pros. I think he already has kickstarted his career starting back in the fall of 2019. You know, with the the quarters in Knoxville and now the semis in Cleveland Challenger a few months ago, so I think he's doing really well for himself. Vastro, you know my thoughts on him. I, <laughs> I really like. I don't know the guy. I wish I did honestly because the guy is so damn clean. You know, yeah. we talked we talked about him um, uh, in, our, in our last conversation, our last podcast, and he was in my top five. And he almost f***ed me over because he was down six two five two to <laughs> Gustav Strom, but um, he you know he hung in there and then what won two more rounds. So good for him. Galairno, I mean, him and Kova had an amazing match. Kova's been telling me all year that he believes that he's one of the best players in college tennis. Um, I kind of saw it uh, in the match with Kova. I think, you know, in the end, Kova just did what he did best and took the racket out of people's hands, and that's what he did. I think he'll be very successful in the pros. Daniel Kukerman, uh, unreal guy. Unreal guy, unreal player. I completely agree with you. You know him better than I do. I don't know him that well. I know him as a player. So I wish, I wish him nothing but the best and in, in, in pros and stuff. Um, and then Blumberg, man. I mean, you know, you know how big of a fan I am of, of Kova and stuff. But if Kova wasn't my best friend and I didn't have a little bit of bias, <laughs> dude, I I f-ing love Blumberg. I, I really do. As as a tennis player, I don't know him that well as a person. Only had a few conversations with him. Great guy. But as a tennis player, dude, that guy is amazing. Absolutely amazing. And, you know, 10-time All-American, are you me? That's <laughs> yeah. absurd. That's, that, that will literally never be done again. It is not possible unless another global pandemic hits and, we, and everyone gets another year of eligibility back. That is <laughs> not possible. So mm-hmm. credit to him for doing an unbelievable feat and quite impossible feat without corona. Um, so good for him on that. Um, I think his game style is unreal. I just think it's so clean. So, like, he knows what to do. I, I thought this, it was a little... most cerebral. Like it's like, oh, it's time for me to come to the net. Oh, yeah, I I left a little spot open down the alley, so I'm going to cover the down the line pass because I know that's where you're going to go. Or it's just like I'm hitting this forehand big down the line. I am. He's so decisive. Sorry to cut you off. I just like I could no, not agree more. Yeah. So I'm I'm, you know. If, if if it weren't for Kova, I'd say that he's my favorite college tennis player. And it's weird <laughs> to say it's weird to say that because I'm still in college and yeah. basically it was my like. You know, one of the guys I was com- competing against, I'd say, but like, I nothing but respect, and I think I think the guy is the guy is unbelievable. Really, yeah. really is unbelievable, and what he did is unbelievable. No one will be able will be able to do that again. Like I said, um, so congrats to to him for a quite phenomenal college career. I wish him literally nothing but the best uh, when it comes to pro tennis. Uh, I think he will be very successful. I think his game will translate 
well over to the pros and I'm excited to see, you know, hopefully I get to see him and Kobo play some dubs at some, you know, some ATP events. That'd be pretty, that'd be pretty cool. No, a hundred percent. And I actually did this whole thing on Blumberg after he was eliminated from doubles and there's a chance super producer Daniel Westoff will put that clip in right here. But if he doesn't, I just I couldn't agree with you more. I just think, again, he epitomizes everything college tennis is supposed to be about and knowing him like I do, just the classiest individual on and off the courts. And I think I mentioned this before. After McNally had some choice words for the chair umpire following the Draxel match, a point penalty was assessed to Cannon Kingsley. And they were like, hey, Will, you're actually up love 15 in the first game. And Will kind of looked at the chair umpire like, are you kidding me? Like, no, like we're not doing that. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Zero, zero, love, love, roll out the balls, let's play. And that's all he wanted to do is roll out the balls, play, compete for the Tar Heels again. All of these players are my guys. I could say the same thing about Kuki, same thing about Kova. Um, they've just been so excellent. They've made covering college tennis that much more enjoyable. Uh, but again, we'll save the postmortem for even more once we have the season completed. We still do have a little play to go. And with that in mind, let's transition to the women's singles. And do I think we're going to do 30 minutes on this draw? I don't. Um, But I do want to spend some time breaking down what we saw because Emma Navarro, former Junior Slam uh, finalist, uh, had lost one match this season all year long. Now, she was up 5-4 in the third set against Davitilla in the dual match uh, in the season before North Carolina clinched, they stopped the match, but she probably would have lost to uh, Katarina Jokic in the round of 16. Nevertheless, she has been absolutely sensational in her freshman campaign, and once again, sensational today. You know, 5-4 first set, she's the beneficiary of a double fault from Davatilla at Deuce. That's a 6-4 set. Then Davatilla comes out swinging in that second set, takes a 6-2 decision, but Navarro just stayed the course, and she was the one able to get the couple of breaks of serve she, uh, a couple of holds of serve, excuse me, she needed in what was a match so predicated on playing first strike tennis. If you were able to be the aggressor with that return, you had control of the point, you were able to dictate it. I'm going to say this, Sarah Devatella had felt like five, six, seven swinging volleys that she just missed a little bit wide or overcooked a little bit long, and that was the difference in the match. Navarro able to earn the three-set victory, but where I want to bring you in here, again, Navarro, freshman. I think she made quarterfinals of Charleston, if memory serves me correct, earlier this season, and obviously, you know, Charleston going to be an event we're probably going to see her in every year for the rest of her tennis career, as it is a family, uh, that is a family event literally owned by the Navarro family, and that's irrelevant only as to say that's where we saw her earlier this season. But, you know, the consensus has been the heaviness of her forehand. Not just the pace she plays with, but the spin she puts on the ball. It was the heaviest weapon on the court against Davatilla. She was able to hit it out of the corner. She's pretty good out of the corners as well, playing slice, moving well. The serve leaves a little bit to be desired, but again, for her to be, what, I think like 22-1 and one now in her freshman season and to hit through Sarah Davitella to be the fitter player in the third set uh, against a fifth-year senior, this was a changing-of-the-guard sort of match, and I've just been super impressed by Navarro. I mean, all of these young Americans, McNally, Goff, Osigwe, and uh, just... I'm missing names here, but you can go on and on and on. So many of them were so successful that they were just ready to go pro. She didn't do that. 
She spent the semester at college, and now she's got a U.S. Open qualifying wild card guaranteed under her belt. She wins tomorrow. She can get that main draw wild card, which only matters because, again, if you get that main draw wild card, you have success there. Really, really difficult to not turn professional. Same question I asked you about Riffis. Your thoughts on her game. Do you think she's ready to go pro? Because certainly she has ripped through Division One women's college tennis this season. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I told, talked to you about her uh, when I saw you in Orlando last week. I think her game is extremely impressive. I think she has a very big game. I think I put her in the same category as someone like Peyton Stearns. That's very big strokes, very, you know, um, you know, just a massive, overwhelming game. And to be honest, I never knew what her situation was with college. I played a little bit of juniors with her. I know her a little bit, not super well. Um, super nice girl, great tennis player, obviously. Um, and I never knew whether she was going to go to college or not. And then all of a sudden I see, you know, a UVA commitment post. I'm like, oh, all right, that's happening. Um, so I guess, you know, she obviously she's done extremely well for herself this year. Um, and to your point about, you know, playing Sarah Davitello as a fifth-year senior. and The GOAT. The GOAT. I, yeah. This was the first time I'd ever seen her lose in person. Yeah, and to be honest, also like a pocket rocket. I talked to you about it, I think, last last podcast. Dude, she hits the shit of the ball. Sarah does. Yeah. Both both forehand and back. And her strokes look almost identical on the forehand and back. It's signed quick, down, and then rip through the ball. It's Michigan indoor tennis at its finest. Yeah, exactly. And for her to... You know, for uh, Emma to be able to match that with spin and stuff, which I think is honestly the only way to beat Sarah, because if you're going to go flat with her, you're not going to win. And most guys, if they go flat with Sarah, are not going to win, honestly. So, um, you know, credit to Emma for being able to, you know, use her spin and use her game to, I guess, bother in a way, Sarah. But, you know, congrats to, to Sarah and a fantastic. Fantastic collegiate career. Um, I think you know if she if she does go pro, uh, I think she will be quite successful, and she will definitely uh, cook up a storm. I think her her game is very big. A lot of people will uh, kind of I don't want to say push her to the side, but think you know underestimate her a little bit, and then they get on court with her, and when she kind of hits you off the court, they're going to be like, oh, shit, that happened, you know. <laughs> so you know, I, I I wish Sarah nothing but the best, and good luck in her in her pro career if she if that's what she chooses to do i i'm not exactly sure that is she, what she's choosing okay to do. well mm-hmm. well good for her i think uh i think uh she will have a great career in my opinion i mm-hmm. my like i said my opinion means <laughs> but i uh i i really hope that she has a great career and you know for emma if if she, she were to get that uh main draw wild card i think she has i think i don't think she comes back in my opinion that it's just mm-hmm. like just knowing her, not knowing her, but knowing the tournament she's played. I mean, she gets Charleston wild card. I think she played, I think it was three events in a row in South Carolina, maybe all Charleston, all different levels. Uh, it was the the WTA event in the 60K, I think, and something like that. Mm-hmm. So for her to leave leave from uh, UVA, probably a few matches, and to do that, and also have pretty good results, be some be some quality players, and then also when she lost, she's not like she lost to bums. So. <laughs> yeah. No, first so, of all, no. let's be clear. She like are we talking about Davatilla here, right? Or, or Emma? Excuse me. No, we're, we're talking about yeah. Emma and Charleston. Emma Sorry, we're talking about Emma and Charleston. She lost to Fruvertova, right? It was like a three set battle. I think it was Linda Fruvertova. I thought, I thought she. I thought she beat her. 
Uh, I'll look this up as we're talking. But think, to your yeah. point, I agree. She she won. I think she beat Ali Risk right uh, yeah, in that I event. Think, and I just... think she beat Fervirtova, and then in one of them, she lost to Teresa Martinkova. I you're think. right. That, I think I mixed them up. I think you're yeah. absolutely she correct. She beat she beat Fervirtova, I think in like seven five in the third. I'm not sure. I think I remember seeing something like that. Can you I just correct? say this is why it's so enjoyable to have you on the podcast? Because today, while we were on the stream, someone was like, "Has anyone ever won the Triple Crown National Championship men's singles, women's uh, men's singles, men's doubles?" My question to you, do you know who the last person to win the Triple Crown was? I knew it off the top of my head. Let's see, Banchilla, can he answer how, this trivia how, question? How far back are we going? 2001 was the last time it happened. 2001. Oh, my God. Guy out of like Georgia. It, Guy out of Georgia. Oh, let's go. I was right. You were wrong about Emma Navarro. She beat Martin Sova in straight sets, lost oh, to Fruvertova. Okay. It, I think, wait, it was a, Mar- Martin, the, Mar- the Martin Kova match. She retired, right? Uh, against Martin Sova, three two, she retired. Let's, That's correct. Let's go. Right. Yeah, right, so, so yeah, you're back. Damn. You're back. You're damn. back. She Sorry. lost. So here's the thing. She did, but credit to you, you were right. She literally played three Charleston events in a row. You had oh, that exactly right. Well. right. She beats Zarazua, loses to Kudermatova. She beats Martin Sova, loses to Fruvertova. Then she lost to Meyer Sharif, obviously former Pepperdine standout. The answer to the men's question is Matthias Booker. Georgia. I do not know that. That's that's man. I was one years old. I <laughs> I don't know. Wait, you I were born in two thousand. Yeah, that's horrifying. I was born in ninety five. I've never felt older. You're closer in age to my little brother than you are to me. Uh, yeah. That's that's devastating. But you're my boy, nevertheless. Yeah. Just know Thank that you're you. you're much you. more mature than that. If you were told nice. me you were born pre- in ninety eight or ninety seven, I'd have believed it. Just I appreciate that. that. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, of course. I wouldn't have believed earlier than that because I'd be like, "There's no way you're still in college." Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. But uh. But no. I mean, that's hilarious. What a revelation. Leave all of that in West off. But um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, to your point, I, I just again, Navarro's a stud. Yeah, she's got the goods, uh, and I agree with you. She was pretty coy in her post-conference because she was asked about that, and she's like, ah, we'll see what the future holds. Yeah, exactly, and that that's the only reason I tend to believe that mm-hmm. there's a good chance that she will leave. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, not that I've seen anything else or heard anything else. I just saw yeah. that, and, like, I replayed the video a few times just because I wanted to hear the question, and she just seemed a little uncertain. So, I don't know. I mean, listen, if she, I think— There's nothing wrong with pro aspirations. Exactly. Nothing wrong and, at all. And, and, and definitely, you know— um, her having the season that she's had one loss and then also, you know, obviously getting the backing from her family for those Charleston events and just, I think, US, USTA in general, if she does end up winning it and, you know, gets the wild card, I think it will be very tough for her to say no to going pro. And I quite honestly think she's ready. I, I yeah. didn't know she was going to college before, so I assumed she was going pro. Goes to show how I maybe thought that she was ready then. So 100%. And guess what? Everyone in her generation that's American went pro. I mentioned Osigwe. I mentioned Goff. I mentioned McNally. All of Ann Lee. That's Navarro's peer group, and they're killing it on the pro yeah. circuit. You don't think she's ready to go do the same? I agree with everything you've said there. Now, just quickly, so we don't have to repeat ourselves, everything we said about Blumberg, everything we said about Kukerman, everything we said about that entire senior class, it applies to Sarah Davatilla. She's a winner's winner, and she's just got that it factor. It's not pretty, but it gets the freaking job done. She takes that ball early. She makes you so uncomfortable. She hits the, as you mentioned, the shit of the ball. Like, it's so, so impressive, and I think she's got the goods, and I'm really, really excited to see how that game translates, how she does, again, 10Ks, 25Ks, playing multiple weeks in a row, because I think she's got it, and I just think she competes so well. So I do think she's going to have success uh, early in her pro career now again if you'd like to i mean again i want i don't want to cut you up there anything to add to that i know we've kind of touched on it already no i mean like like i said earlier i think you know i think 
Maybe you don't think Sarah's game is pretty. I think it's kind of cool, to be honest. No, no, no. It's I meant aesthetically. Like, it's not your oh. classic, like, Federer out in front, like, oh, man, that's a beautiful loop, a beautiful contact point. Or it's not like the Simona Halep. When Simona Halep hits a backhand, I'm just like, that. I'm like, that's what it's supposed to look yeah, like. Yeah, not a lot of people have that Federer, Federer thing, well, aside from maybe, maybe Kova. But, uh, <laughs> no, you know honesty. who the best impression is? Ray Sarmiento. That's the closest yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, this is true. Um, but, no, I think... I think with with just with Sarah's game and and the power that she has and just uh, like I said, she's a phenomenal competitor. Obviously, I mean, what was this? Was this? Did she lose any matches this year aside from this? I think one. I think she lost one match entirely before this one. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, one. That, that's that's a that's absurd. Honestly, that, <laughs> that's absurd. And she, you know, for her to do it consistently, a match in match out, you know, it's it's. I mean, credit to her. That, that's that's unbelievable. Once again, you know, congrats to her on a great college career um and i'm quite excited to see how she will fare in the pros and i i really think that she will do well with her game yeah i'm and i'm really excited to see it unfold and you know again with that in mind let's move on to our next side of the draw someone who again we talk about that changing of the guard navarro takes the baton takes the torch from sarah davatilla represents the acc conference it's an all sec men's final it's an all acc women's final as my girl EPS Stella Perez Somariba continues her title defense uh, keeps it alive as she earns a straight set victory today 7-6-6 love over Janice Shen of Oregon now Shen made history by making the semifinals even for the Oregon Ducks and by the way looking through her record she went 23-2 and this year like she was a stud and I mean she was a former top 40 ITF junior she's someone who her two losses were to San Diego and then to Abby Forbes of UCLA. That's it. Um, and the San Diego player whose name's escaping my mind right now. She was a top 60 player ranking-wise ranking in the country. And, you know, she went up an early two-love lead here on EPS. But just, again, the way Stella competes, and you look for Stella, she's lost two matches now, I think, in her past 54 college matches that dates back to the 2019 season. I think that includes 2020 as well. And just... You know, again, by the way, that one loss for Emma Navarro was against Stella Perez Somariba, three set loss when they played at Miami earlier this season. So she's got a shot for revenge as well. Now, the question for Stella how much gas does she have left in the tank? And you look at who Stella's had to play gauntlet of a draw. Selma Ewing, who has played outstanding tennis this season for USC, and I believe. Uh, Again, I don't want to report it. I don't, I'm not speculating in rumors. I'll leave Parsa to make that announcement about if Stella, uh, if Selma's staying at USC or not. I guess I kind of gave away the ball game there. But, um, you know, she beats Selma Ewing. She beats Peyton Stearns. That's nuts. She beats Alexa Graham in straight sets. That's a hell of a win. She beats Abby Forbes down 7-6-5-1 and comes all the way back to win the match in three sets. And then to play a three-and-a-half-hour match in 95-degree heat, come out today, win that first set 7-6, coast to that second set victory, now earn a shot at another national title. Again, does she have the big overwhelming weapon, the huge serve, the flashy form? hand, whatever it may be. No, maybe not, but she's good at everything. It's very Riffis-esque. It's just, and again, I just the ground strokes, she absorbs pace well. She redirects well. She's good in the outer third. She can turn defense into offense. I think she's going to be great at the hustle as well. I cannot wait to see her out on the pro circuit. I think she's going to be outstanding. I think she kind of, again, epitomizes. If she wins this event back-to-back, 
and respectfully, the USTA doesn't give her a wild card, I'll be furious because, like, that's everything college tennis is supposed to be. She's someone who got better and better throughout the course of her career. And again, if you have any thoughts on Chen, please feel free to share them. But your thoughts on EPS, her game, how ready she is for the pros, and then, of course, that matchup tomorrow against Emma Navarro. Lay it I mean, on me. Yeah, on Chen, I, Chen, I think, you know, she just because she had, wasn't from, like, a big-name school like UNC, like Texas, that kind of went under the radar. So, you know, congrats to her for a great season. Um, I think, you know, Stella is extremely tough. Uh, I mean, she's the defending NCAA, uh, you know, winner. So, I mean, champion. So, it's 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 a tough task. Um, uh, I don't know that much about Chen anymore. But, like I said, congrats to her on a great season. 23-2 and two up until now was phenomenal. Um, and definitely, I guess, deserved to be in the position that she was in the semis of the NCAA. Uh, individual tournament um and to, for stella I, I agree with you about the wild card man i mean if she wins back to back i don't know who the last person was to win back to back um I, you want the answers yeah i've I got do. these answers for you because they came up on our broadcast so the last person to go back to back was nicole gibbs 12 and 13 now danielle collins did it in 14 and that's 16. what i was gonna ask i heard something yeah. about danielle collins i just didn't know if she was the last I think she was also the last girl from UVA before Emma. If That's I'm, correct. Okay, before Emma to be in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and if, if Stella does that, and I mean, it's just so, t- I guess, kind of tough. What we, we talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast, but, you know, a foreigner wins it. And what what do they get? They get a trophy and then maybe a nice celebration when they're back on their football field or uh, basketball field, I was going right? to say a banner at Miami and that's it. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the Good upside. Luck. For, We're done with the, you, college uh, exactly, tennis. Like, it's exactly. stupid. The upside for winning as a as a American tennis player is obviously a wild card. Sixty five grand. That's yeah, the upside. Yeah. So I mean, it just I just think that especially if she wins, not only wins it once. I, I you know my thoughts on that. Yeah. If she wins it twice and she doesn't get a wild card, I just what are we doing here? I don't know, man. I just I just feel <laughs> like the the NCAA or USTA or whoever needs to change that rule. They really they really do, especially if you do something as impressive as this. I mean, winning the NCAA tournament is extremely impressive. Very impressive and unbelievable feat. So, and doing it twice, if she if she were to do it twice, bro, I mean that's just that's insane. It's insane if if you were to get you know rewarded big time with a U.S. Open wild card for doing that. Yeah. Um, and you know, seven six five one down against Abby Forbes. I didn't know. I really didn't know that. I, I saw Abby win the first set, and then I, you know, I just had to go to practice or whatever. And then <laughs> I just I saw that Abby lost, but I didn't know that it was. Set in five one up. What was the score in the third? Uh six three. And there were five deuce points in the first five games, I believe. Or maybe I know for a fact it was four in the first four. It went three one split to Stella. There was also a tight call, four one or a three one deuce. That's why I think it was five straight deuce points where Abby hit a ball down the line. Stella called it out. Abby did not like the call. Reince liked it even less. I was literally right on the line. It was out. And what added to the controversy was the chair umpire kind of put his hand out to overrule it, but then there was someone on that line and he was like, no, no, no. I was just pointing to the chair or the lines person who confirmed the ball was out. And again, it was out. Like, I do want to make that clear. I'm not accusing Stella of hooking here. It was yeah. out. But just that kind of woke Abby up and it was a 6-3 set. It was really, really good. But Stella just got her in the end. Yeah. Um, and so back to your point about Stella and her in her game, I think I agree with you about the Riffus-esque. I haven't seen her play that that much. But from the from what I've seen, I, I, I agree with you. I think she's got, got it all, you know. I've seen her hit some drop shots too that have been pretty damn good. Um, you know, she's able to move her opponent well. She she 
when she comes to net, I think she does a pretty good job there. And like you said, maybe she doesn't have the biggest of serve, biggest of ground strokes. But hey, you know, it, the contrast between Emma and Sarah in in, in the match today was was great. And then to to see how that's going to contrast with Stella and Emma's powerful game is really going to be interesting. So I think it's I think it's a similar match on both the men's and women's side because you know Rippus although can have power and he's definitely proved that. I think he it, it's going to be nice to see how he can subdue the power of, of Daniel Rodriguez and and you know the same thing I think goes on the, on the women's side you know Emma's obviously going to be using her spin using her power using her serve set up points and then uh, you know Stella's going to try and, and counter that with with her, her defense her you know her sh- shot making ability I guess and her ability to stay in points. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And just again, I'm going to ask it for you. I think that was a fairly good breakdown, so we can right get get right into it. Give me the pick. Uh, my pick is Emma. You're and going double Americans? Yes, I am doing double Americans. Um, and nothing, you know, like I said, nothing against the, the, the Daniel and, and Stella, but uh, I just think that the way Emma is playing, and, you know, I think it'd be good for American tennis. I really think, especially if two Americans win it. If Stella wins it again, like I said, big fan if she does that. That's unbelievable. Um, but I just think, you know, I think Emma. You know, not to say that Stella doesn't, but I think Emma deserves it. I think she's worked hard. I think, you know, she's got the game. I think her game translates best to the pros. And uh, it would really be exciting to see Sam and uh, Emma at the U.S. Open competing. Yeah, no, 100%. And look, I'm going to disagree with you um, because, respectfully, I think it's good that we disagree every so often. I'm going to take Stella. I'm just so amazed by the way she competes. So, so amazed. And I just, for her to get through that Forbes match, it just looked like the gauntlet. It kind of reminds me, the sad thing is I'm ready to get bitten in the behind. It reminds me a lot of the Pepperdine women's team where it's just like, we beat Stanford. We beat UCLA. We beat North Carolina. For her, it's I beat Stearns. I beat Graham. I forget who, Selma Ewing. And I beat, you know, now Abby Forbes. And then I got this somewhat, you know, I just think that she was the first one off the court today and made a difference. She's finally yep. going to get some time to rest and, like, recuperate a little bit. And, by the way, Emma Navarro went back out there for the doubles. And we'll talk about the doubles momentarily. Yeah. I just think Stella's got it. Like, I... Davitella had the match on her racket. That's not to take anything away from Emma Navarro, but if Davitella makes three more swinging volleys, I think she wins today. And I just think Stella just finds a way, man. She scraps, she claws, she turns defense into offense. She'll throw up that high moon ball when she's stretched in the outer third. She'll hit the swinging volley herself with success when Navarro throws slices at her. And I just think physically, EPS is on another level right now. I'm going to take Stella, but I won't be surprised at all if Navarro wins. And again, whomever the winner is, give that person a wild card into the U.S. Open. What are we doing here? It's time for a rule change. Now, with that in mind, and again, there are so many seniors. We're going to save the senior postmortem. We're going to do a postseason podcast. Chris Hallioris, Mastikoic, will be joining me. I'm sure we'll have a love session then as well. So let's get into the doubles now because I don't want to keep you for too much longer. Slash, to be honest, I got to start my French Open preview podcast as well. <laughs> and, you know, we just, I, I got to dive back into pro tennis and I'm like, I'm worried. I'm worried because, like, I, I'm ready to just predict Casper Ruud's going to win the thing and just go Bro. out there on the Lynn. Oh, you don't like that? No, just that prediction. He's. I think that's a few years before his time right now. 
Exactly. That's where my head is at right now. But hey, it's better to be wrong and make noise than to be right and do it silently. No, that's yeah. that's that's a lie. Oh my gosh. Anyways, let's talk about the doubles now, and let's talk about our men's and when we can do it. Let's just start with the men's quickly. Um, I think I believe it's Walton, and I mean I don't believe Walton Harper make the final. They knock off Law and Fronson today. They are going to take on the Auburn duo of Merget and McLean. We did not have them on our list coming into the event, but you look for them. They've certainly earned it. They beat Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, USC. Now they knock off this team from Pepperdine, but I did say it at the top. Walden Harper, as fundamentally sound of a doubles team as you are going to find across the country, I think they've got it. That just factor where they just seem confident and they just seem like, no, we're we're better than you. And like, you know, half of doubles, again, making returns. It's only one set, but I heard the average of eight and a half returns is the average amount of made returns uh, in a double set in, during the dual match season. Now, these are obviously two out of three set matches, but Walton and Harper exceed that quality by an immeasurable amount of numbers. They put so many returns on the court. They move well. They get two up. They play aggressive tennis. I'm leading all them in tomorrow's doubles final. I mean, Morgett and McLean can scrap. And obviously, they looked super impressive, knocking off Smith and Kukerman in a third set breaker yesterday. Another big win for them over Denudan and Otsbach today. Your thoughts on this doubles final, what we've seen unfold? Uh, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Like I, I told you since I think our first podcast together yep. that I'm a big fan of Tennessee's doubles, and they just do everything right. They really do. So it's been it's proven. I know. I know Adam and, and Pat were down a break in the first set today, and you know to recover that against Sven and, and Connie is, is 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 massive. So you know I, I I thought I actually before you said the score I thought Sven and, and Connie won. So um, just from the little doubles I saw, but good for them for scrapping back. And they're I, in my opinion they're definitely the favorites going into tomorrow. I don't know that much about uh, Tad McLean and. Um, Big and, from the great. There are a lot yeah, of lefty. one up. Know, they play I, a lot of one up, one back. Yeah, and I, I, I don't love that. I know he's a big. I know he's a big lefty and stuff. And I think you know Margaret being the shorter one, not as big of a serve. But I think they've done something right. You know they've yeah. been quality teams. They beat what Axel Neff, Tristan McCormick. They yeah. beat uh, you know Riley Smith and and Daniel Kukerman. That's I mean that's at the beginning of the season was the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know they're doing something right, and uh, it's it's going to be an interesting match. But I'm also going to lean with uh, with Adam and Pat. Yeah, they're just, again, so fundamentally sound. They put so many returns on the court. Now, on the women's side, huge contrast of styles. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of wanted a Smith versus Rogers versus Son and Collins, a generational battle as well. But Scotty and Jones have found their rhythm. And, you know, you know they two three-set wins in their first two matches. They knock off Munera and Subash for the third time yesterday. Today, they knock off the duo of Smith and Rogers. Straight set win for them. And they're going to face the hottest team in the country. The team I think both you and I mentioned could not only make the finals, but win the damn thing. The unseated duo of Lulu Sun, Kylie Collins. There's so much power in that duo. They're a lefty-righty combo as well. Your thoughts on these two teams and obviously which way you're leaning in the final. Yeah, I think um, I think that we talked about uh, you know McKenna and Elizabeth Scotty um, when uh, UNC played Pepperdine. Um, and I thought that, you know, they do a very good job of being solid and especially soft on the baseline. And, you know, they, they like to play one up, one back when, you know, if they have to. But I also think they like to get into net. So, like I said, McKenna Jones in the back, extremely solid, probably will absorb a lot of the pace of Lulu and, and Kylie. And then Elizabeth, I think, will match or even exceed the power because she hits a, just a massive ball, you know, really low over the net. So I think for double, that's going to be good, not really going to allow Kylie and Lulu to, to cross that much. Um, but... 
I it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great final. I'm just gonna lean with a with a UNC duo just because I know of them a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I also you don't want to think- get in trouble. That's what I've learned as well. People do actually freaking listen to these things, and I'm like, all right, I got to pick the team that's less likely to get mad, or that more likely to get mad. No, nah, it's not I about do. it's not about getting in trouble. I don't know McKenna Elizabeth that well, but I, I I'm really a big fan of the way they play. I think that it's very solid. Um, I don't know if Kylie and Lulu have played anyone uh, like this up until now. That's this solid. I could be completely wrong. I mean, you know, if if Kylie and Lulu do win, I wouldn't be surprised. However, I'm just going to go with uh, with McKenna Jones and Elizabeth Scotty just because of I, I, I like the I like them as a doubles team. I really do. Yeah, um, I think that's all fair. You're wrong, and I'm okay to say that. I'm excited <laughs> to say it because it's going to be Sun and Collins because again, they're everything you want. And I've had some conversations that have been incredible. And you know, some of these coaches, they're like, "Yeah, Peyton's good." Anna's good, Lulu's incredible, Charlotte's incredible, but Kylie's the one with the highest upside because you watch her hit the ball and you're just like, oh my God, like that ball is just incredible power, incredible depth, and just again, she kind of has this, and I say this in a in a positive connotation, a shamelessness to her where it's just like, look, I'm swinging, and like if I don't make it, that you know, that happens from time to time, but if I do make it, you lose the point, and like that's that's a quality to it. I just like the way they cross. I love the lefty-righty duo. I cannot believe Jones and Scotty made this final. It's a testament to the way they scrapped. To your point, they put so many balls in play. It just They make you beat them, which is a really hard thing to do. And I also did have a prediction that North Carolina was going to leave Orlando with at least one national title. So I hope I'm wrong for the sake of that prediction. <laughs> but I'll just try and hedge my bets here. I'm going to go with Collins and Son. They're the hot team. I think they've lost like three times here this season they just there's a tenacity to them there's a fierceness to them I know those two things mean the same but I just give me the team with the firepower advantage the team that's more aggressive willing to move forward give me the Longhorns tomorrow but again final day of the Division One men's and women's college tennis season. Going to be exciting you can catch all of the action with our friends on the Tennis One app unfortunately I'm not going to be on the call I was really hoping to be, and it, I was indicated that I was going to be, and then I was told, no, this was always the plan, and I'm not going to rip on people. It was not the tennis one side that I'm going to rip on, but I'm a very I'm very I'm, I'm very grateful to the USTA's tolerance of a lot of my nonsense this week, so I'm not just going to rip them openly. Obviously, I am tremendously disappointed that I'm not going to be on the call and yeah, I think it's like, of course I do. I was at this week all that. Who could know more about these individuals than the person who has watched each and every event unfold? Nevertheless, I understand the decision that's going to be made. Sam Gore, CC Bell is going to do an outstanding job. Um, but with that in mind, I want to give you the final word, Banch. Any final thoughts on these individual events? Anything we didn't cover? Uh, no, I mean, I think we covered everything. I think there have been some impressive performances. I just got to give a shout out to to uh, my boy Adi Boitan. Uh, I mean, the guy's been fighting since since the, the, the first round. Finishes at, what, 1, 2 a.m. Said he didn't get back to the hotel until mm-hmm. 4 after losing the, the you know the team championships to, to Florida um, and then had to play the next day. Hasn't had a day off since. Uh, Nam, the, roughly. Yeah, exactly. And so I know I talked to him after every single match and I know how much pain he's been in and stuff. And for him to, to kind of persevere and just fight through all the pain and stuff and you could see that he was in pain every single point of literally every single match of the individual and for uh, the individual tournament and for him to you know not only have some great wins in three sets but to also you know beat 
I kind of I kind of hate to say it, but like beat Blumberg. A hundred percent. No, you can say to, for him to yeah. beat Will in that fashion yeah, was I mean, incredible. I mean, I'm I'm a good friend of mine, big fan of Blum in his game. So it was it was a bittersweet, but the way he did that in that match and just kind of put every ounce he had into every shot and you know essentially just hit Will off the court um, is uh, is you know very happy for him. I, I I've wanted him to win the win the tournament uh, after Kova had lost and after he had beaten Blum. So I was. Uh, a little bit sad about that but you know just a, a big congrats to him and and you know for everything he's achieved this year and and everything that i think he will continue to achieve at baylor um, yeah. and then also in, in the pros uh you know everyone else uh i think has done has had very incre- very quite incredible seasons um that have made it this far in the in, in the individual tourney so uh, you know just congrats to everyone um and i think it's been some really high quality tennis not a lot of people beating themselves but a lot of people actually beating their opponents and you know taking the racket out of their hand and and, and actually you know just playing quality tennis and and, and taking matches from people and, and and this hasn't been um you know it's been it's been really high high level tennis and it's it's great to see that and i'm excited to see what happens in the finals tomorrow Yeah, it's going to be a very exciting final day of action. And again, you can catch all of it on the Tennis One app. You can catch up on everything by tuning into this mini break podcast. We've recapped each and every day's play. And again, I will be on site despite, you know, I'm bitter, but I'm still going to go watch the national championships because who doesn't like watching an NCAA final? And of course, again, we will be back here tomorrow, or at least I will be. I may try and drag Chris Halioris, Matt Stachowiak out of retirement to talk about the final day of the college tennis regular season, but what a spectacular year it has been. What a spectacular individual event, and again, shout out to everyone who has helped make this happen. If I would have told all of us back in December we were going to get essentially a full season, a full NCAA experience, we would have laughed and said, no way, that is happening. It is the case, so shout out to all of the ventured interest who made that happen, but with that in mind, again, to catch up on everything, tune into our website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Great Shop Podcast, Correct Interviews Podcast. I'm going to try and get all of the NCAA champions, team coaches, men's and women's singles and doubles champions as well on the Cracked Interviews over the next few weeks. And then we're going to do a mega mailbag, of course, to put a bow on this 2021 college tennis season. But for the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to the super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, as well, to our friends at Midwest Sports slash Tennis Point. Go to Midwest sports.com use that promo code cr15 to get 15 percent off your order and last but certainly not least shout out to you my friend very very grateful i apologize i'm very bad at responding to texts while i'm here and you're like and you're just continuing to put up with my nonsense that's all i can say so appreciate you doing that but with that in mind for my wonderful co-host, Alex Banchilla, our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Tennis Point, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Banch, what do we tell the people? That's the break. And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com.